0: and welcome to another episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman 1850 miles southeast of me is Mr. Kip Fisher and we are coming to you live for the 140th time this uh Saturday, March 12th, 2016. Mr. Fisher, my esteemed, tired, brilliant, slightly annoyed co-host, how are you this evening?
1: <laughs> I'm not at all annoyed, I'm tired though. However, after tonight, we'll be back on uh, a little bit closer time difference.
0: Yeah, only an hour.
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna have to make notes before nine thirty now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> that's a little nice, right? I mean, uh-huh. you know, it's cool, yo. See, it's too bad. Uh, <laughs> I guess we we don't have to do this based on. Uh, Uh, Eastern seaboard time. You know, we can can do it uh, based on Greenwich Mean. It's no big deal.
1: Yes, since neither of us are in the Eastern time zone anymore.
0: That's true. That's kind of my point. (laughs) What's the
1: deal with it? Although I'm now... Although we're on Atlantic time, half the year we are the same as Eastern. Say? Say. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, I... uh, I have a bit of egg on my face.
1: Yeah. <laughs> breakfast? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was expecting a, why is that? But breakfast is a better response. I have to give that to you. <laughs> I, uh, I, oh, 25 minutes ago. Yeah, it's nine o'clock central now. 25 minutes ago. I am walking out of the grocery store, look up at the clock. I had just struck up a conversation with the cashier, <clears throat> knew that they closed at 9 p.m., looked up at the clock and said, hey, 25 minutes till closing, it's 8.35. Oh, my gosh, it's 8.35 and we're recording tonight. So uh, <laughs> that, that's that been my last half hour. How's hows your last half hour been?
1: Eh, I've just been sitting around waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh I've earned that one. I'll uh, graciously accept that uh oh evening of ignorance. I can't even say moment of ignorance. <laughs> I uh I came inside inside my house and said to Ellie, So guess what I just realized? And she obviously didn't know what it was and uh uh and uh I told her that, oh, we're recording tonight. It's Saturday. We didn't record last night. <clears throat> and she said, oh, don't you usually go down like an hour ago to prepare? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the case, dear. So, whoops. Even she was like, you moron. <laughs> so if it's cigar related and she's considering me an idiot for not doing it, I know that I've made a mistake. <laughs> See, so. Something's
1: gone horribly awry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh well.
1: Well, jumping right into it, I want to talk a little bit about what we're smoking tonight.
0: Yeah. It tastes an awful lot like we're smoking a Nortenio. Eh? <laughs> I'm just I'm uh I'm totally baiting you. Go <laughs> ahead. I I can't
1: even compute that. I don't know what to do with that <laughs> <clears throat> We are smoking. For those couple of you in the chat room on an off night that was unannounced, the uh, Fuente Añejo 888, which is one of one of the newer extensions to that line, if not the newest. I can't think of a, another regular production uh, Vitola that came about after this one. Um, I actually originally got some prototypes for this cigar at CFC 2014. And then... <clears throat> I don't know September October of that year they came in into into stores made the shelves and um, were added as a a regular production item. They they still at times can be a little hard to find and some retailers think they're very hard to find because they tend to mark them up for no apparent reason because they're not it's not like they're sharks and everybody kills themselves to get them but. Anyway, I, I got these and fell deeply in love with this size when they first came out, um, it, both the, the samples that I got at CFC and uh, that first batch that came out. Um, <laughs> I get something out of these cigars that most people, most of my cohorts that smoked them did not, and originally in those early ones when they were just r- literally right off the truck, um, there was a... A, a good bit of spice in the early minutes of these things and that's not something i typically get with the añejo but it you know had a little bit of what we may normally call the nicaraguan kind of spice a little little peppery um, i happen to not be getting that tonight on this one and you know none of these are any older than a year and a half cuz these are not the pre-release samples these are from the i think they're from the first first regular production release. Uh, So they're a year and a half old max. Wow. I'm not at all getting any of that burn through the nose or anything that I did in those early days. So they seem to have lost that quickly. And it's been a few months. I've had one or two of these since moving down here. So within the past eight and a half months, um, and they even at that time seem to have lost a step in terms of their, of that that burn or that spice, um, and and this one is following suit. Um, it gets a little more añejo-ish to me as you go, you know, as you smoke through it. But uh, it's been a while. It's the, the, I only brought a couple of these with me when we moved, and they were early on the list of burned items, so we'll see how tonight goes.
0: Well, uh, admittedly, I was trolling you when I said we're smoking the Norteño because in the notes it makes some reference to uh, a Nicaraguan-esque spice, Um, but I I honestly have to tell you, it doesn't have the spicy nasal napalm aspect of a, a Nicaraguan flavor, but To me, I get a lot of the flavors of a um, a San Andres Mexican wrapper off of this. Oh, which 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 is interesting that it's so subdued. The Mm -hmm. you know not the typical spicy um, accompaniment to that flavor, but I still get that taste. It's uh, it's a bit of a troll, but it was a troll because that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of a Norteno that was just a little more. I don't know. Suave perhaps.
1: Yeah, I can see so, that.
0: <clears throat> you know, I don't know if that's suggestive reasoning or if that's uh, legitimately what I'm tasting, but definitely uh, drew me to it.
1: Yeah. I don't think I've smorked, smorked. <laughs> I have not smorked one. I haven't smoked a Norteno since I think those little guys we did on the show. Um, but I do remember being sensitive to the vitola in that line. And i I liked the one, I don't even remember exactly what size it is, but it's Lonsdale-ish, and I like that teeny friggin' co model drivers. That teeny <laughs> tiny little guy that we uh, smoked for a, a show cigar one week.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Much more so than the others.
0: Well, I uh, you know, I, I'm no expert on Nortenios. I'm <clears throat> Not the world's biggest Drew Estate fan. Nothing against them necessarily as to reason why I'm not a you know huge Drew Estate fan. It's just I typically don't line up with a lot of their fra- flavor profiles. But I will say that the Nortanio was um, a much better effort to my palate, um, and so I certainly don't mean that as a slight on this añejo whatsoever. It it's something that that lines up with me, and I especially enjoy the fact that this reminds me of a Norteño, but without uh, a bit more of that spice that that I frankly could do without in most of my cigars. So mm-hmm. It's interesting. I'll, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this transitions as it gets past the first oh, five-eighths of an inch.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sitting here. I have one very minor, almost unmentionable criticism for this cigar that I'll say even though it's unmentionable these friggin bands if they were about 2 notches mm-hmm. bigger and they would slide down they're just they're in the way they won't go any further down and so you either got to peel them off like I'm doing right now or live with it scratching on your lips all the time
0: you know it's interesting i there is like next to no glue on this band and i don't
1: Which is rare for Fuente. I
0: I don't think I've ever seen a Fuente band that came off so easily and perfectly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they have at times gotten happy with the glue, that's for sure.
0: Just the the slightest little dab of glue right on the corner there was all that was holding this thing on. Hmm. I like the Vitola on this. What is it? A forty?
1: Yeah, so I think when I wrote a review up for these, I think I measured it at a 44.
0: Oh, 44. Wow, it's that thick.
1: Those were the CFC samples. I have not checked this one, these that we're smoking tonight.
0: I can take a 42 well over the shoulder of this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can make that out. So i I guess that this is a 42 by, Oh, what did we say this was, 7? 6 and 5, 8, something like that. Really? Well, even with the ash, I'm six and five-eighths right now. Yeah, and I cut off probably, I don't know, a decent amount. Quarter inch, I'd say I cut off. Yeah, yeah, eighth of an inch, not too terribly much.
1: I like to put a, about a quarter of an inch opening on these, wherever that lines up on that little nurple they put on the head, which we didn't really... Talk about, but these now that I've trimmed it, you can't tell. But they come out to almost like a pencil point on the head. They they they're not a typical parejo.
0: No, you know they're not a parejo. But what I'll say is that I don't think they're they're a typical pyramid either. It, it almost seemed as if it was pre-cut to me. Not pre-cut in the sense that you could smoke it, but pre-cut in the sense that yeah, I found the
1: oh the yeah. Little the, the very tip end, it, it is usually open on these, and mine's the same way. All of them have been. Uh, I can't make it focus on that, but the, it,
0: Yep, it, about an eighth of an inch open. Mm-hmm. Like, they just cut off the little closed cap of the pyramid.
1: Yeah, but you couldn't smoke it through that little opening. No,
0: no. <clears> hmm. <throat> <clears throat> I don't know if it's just the slightest little bit of a a piece of laharo, black laharo coming through or if this is starting to get a bit of tar on the head. Yeah, I think it's starting to get a bit of tar coming out of the head. Huh.
1: Yeah, I've seen that before with an añejo. Uh, I have nothing like that on this one.
0: Uh, it's so rare. I mean, I don't I don't know if you can I don't, I don't know think if anybody perfect. has ever really pinpointed that.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's just a rogue leaf has something screwy going on. I don't think it's predictable or, or a pattern that you can even figure out. It just happens sometimes. Yeah. and it can, Sometimes it's being generous. It's, it's been a very rare occasion. For me, anyway.
0: I had a Liga L40 prototype from where I was very lucky to get after a trip down there. Uh, I had a Fuente, maybe a King Bee, Queen Bee, one of those Sun Growns. And then uh, potentially this. I'll see if this continues on, but I believe it is tar. So this would only be my third cigar ever that uh, that uh, would have tar, if that's the case.
1: Hmm. I've had it kind of come out of a shark before, Fuente Anejo, and that... Um, It was a Viaje that was tapered on both ends. I can't remember what it was called.
0: I'm guessing it was limited, though.
1: Yeah, it was an oddball. Dang it, I don't remember what they're called. It had a a sharp point on both ends. Something about a sword, maybe.
0: Hmm. I don't know.
1: I'm not enough of a
0: a, a Viaje guy to know any of those things. Besides...
1: Double-edged sword, maybe.
0: Hmm. Oh, there you go. Uh,
1: I don't know. Um, my, my memory, I got a tumor. I'm blaming on the tumor. My memory
0: sucks. <laughs> <Goofal>. <laughs> I still got to get me one of those. A tumor? <laughs> I need a good excuse for not remembering anything, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: that joke will get old sooner or later. Don't worry.
1: Uh, but I'll never remember, so.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> you did laugh as if you hadn't heard it before, so I guess that proves your point. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm still about five-eighths of an inch in, into the cigar. It's burning wonderfully, though I haven't puffed off of it too many times recently. Um, I dig it. I like the slight variation on the blend. I like that it's narrow. <clears throat> you know, an Opus Lancero would be an interesting... Uh, commodity. I wonder if this is just the best that they can do for that. You know, some blends just don't translate to something that thin. Uh,
1: you can get I'm up sorry, some not an añejo
0: an, an, an lancero. I mean, pardon me. Ah, uh,
1: yeah, I don't think that's ever been regular production. They exist, but it's not something you can just go buy.
0: So this will uh, this will probably just have to sued all of us lovers of the thin cigars in terms of Añejo for a while, so I'll savor this one, and uh, I think I had the other one probably six months ago, shortly after you sent it, so (laughs) I don't know when I'll get another.
1: You know, as far as Fuente Lanceros go, the um, I know you're a fan of the Casa Fuente Lanceros. I happen to really just adore the don carlos lancero that's one of my favorite cigars ever but they're just so dang hard to get
0: i don't believe i've ever had one
1: yeah i've not had one in at least a couple of years they're just not just not out there they're hard to find you can get them at casa fuente but you have to go to vegas and walk into the store and buy them or have somebody do it for you
0: hell they're probably 35 40 bucks if you do that too
1: yeah, most everything in the store is. And it starts about there.
0: If I uh, if I recall correctly, their cheapest cigar was the Casa Fuente house blend in a Corona Gorda size, which was probably still 20 bucks. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, this cigar doesn't seem to be putting out too much tar if it was tar. so uh, And for those of you who are unfamiliar with what we keep talking about sometimes the cut head of a cigar as you're smoking, it will release like a, a deep dark Brown ooze that uh, I think it's just generically referred to as tar. I don't know if anyone knows for certain that that's what it is, but it typically gets incredibly bitter coats your mouth and, and can ruin a, uh, an experience. Almost instantaneously. But yeah. if you cut it down a little further on the shoulder, a lot of times it's okay.
1: Yeah, you just don't want to get that on your tongue. It's it's horrible. And you're right. It can ruin the rest of the cigar. Sometimes you just... It's just... It's, <laughs> it's like smoking a pipe and getting down near the bottom of the bowl and sucking up the ash and goop out of the bottom to the stem. Yeah. What if we got here do a little news
0: yeah let's jump on in my man not just a whole
1: lot on here tonight um let's see uh, we got one of those why stories from Zygar <laughs> I'm, yeah. I guess I'm in a critical mood I'm getting older um they are releasing a special 20th anniversary edition of their XI 1 cutter which was the original this is you can see one here and you can tell these by this elongated button on there rather than the round one that's on the XI 2 and 3 i prefer this button which makes no sense to the world but i don't like that little knurled button on on the newer um uh, versions or newer it Iterations in the evolution of the cutter, um, but they're putting out the 20th anniversary edition of this cutter and the four original colors that came in. I don't even remember what they are we're now silver and titanium were two of them, and maybe like a a blue white. and
0: then the black. Okay, if you
1: say so, I'll take your word for it.
0: I know there was a blue because I owned a blue.
1: All right, okay. No. Well, they they still make these XI ones today in all kinds of colors. I meant the four colors that came out initially.
0: But did they change the button color for the X one, or can you still get them in the or the XI one? Not yeah, you the button see. color. I'm sorry, the button shape.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's still the same. They still make make this model.
0: Oh well, never mind. I thought that you were implying it was only on those originals. My misunderstanding.
1: That's just when they launched this cutter. It came in four colors. Gotcha um anyway, so they they're referring to it as a limited edition, their twentieth anniversary although they they have not said how limited or what the word limited even means you know as far as I know, it's limited to however many of them they think they can move I, I don't know, but um they're going to retail for seventy five bucks seventy four ninety nine oh. and full blown retail on the regular ones and it's, the exact same cutter in different colors is ten dollars cheaper and so that led me to just wonder why what, what's the other ten dollars for it, it's not as far as i know any special material or anything it's just just a different color i, I don't i guess i'm not that picky with the color to pay 10 more bucks to get
0: <laughs> yeah Ay. yeah yeah i heard uh I'm sure many of you have are familiar with um, the author, the pen name, I guess I should say, for um, the illustrated encyclopedia of post-revolution Havana cigars, the MRN book. You know, that gentleman, MRN, um, he was on a, a forum. I'm sure he still is, but he was on a forum, a very well-known public forum about 10 years ago for a, an extended period of time. And one of the... He's kind of well-regarded as an a-hole by a lot of people. Um, it, <laughs> Kindred spirits. <laughs> ooh, ooh. That's it for me. Oh, I didn't hear for you. <laughs> um, and uh, one of the things that a lot of people uh, have taken away from him that that is a positive, that isn't necessarily something that's left a bitter taste in their mouth, is something that he mentioned in regard to... Um, I believe the ELs out of Cuba. Um, And just kind of an off-the-cuff remark he made that, you know, anytime somebody tells you that something is a limited edition or a collector's edition, that generally means that it isn't. If you need to be told that it's a collector's edition, you probably don't need to go out of your way to pick it up. And uh, it made a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, if somebody's saying, hey, make sure to buy this because it's special chances are it's not going to be that special, you know? Yeah. Mickey Mantle rookie cards didn't get uh, pushed as being a $50,000 investment, I'd guess, way back when.
1: Exactly. Most of them went into bicycle spokes. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's kind of my philosophy, too, and it gets more so every day. Once I was liberated from chasing special production cigars, I never looked back.
0: No, it's certainly uh not a hard and fast rule that's unable to be broken. I mean they're look at the frank, you know? Although when that came out, that wasn't meant to necessarily be a crazy collector's item. That was more of a, a goofball item that just became a collector's. So I, I guess I can't use that as an example.
1: Yeah, I mean that's if somebody yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. If if somebody calls it collectible, it's generally not gonna be that way in the long run. Not always, but often.
0: Often. Well, let's settle on often.
1: Yeah, we'll work with that. (laughs) Our our show, we can say whatever we like.
0: Damn right. (laughs) So speaking of uh, Viaje, you mentioned them a little while ago. They've got an interesting blend partnerships coming up here. Partnership, (laughs) excuse me.
1: Yeah, they uh, actually have been doing this for a couple of years, two, three years now. Uh, under a different name. I understand they had some trademark things to sort out. This line was originally called collaboration where they would partner with various factories or, or cigar companies and produce a, a limited run item, whether it you know be something specifically just to be limited, or there's a small batch of tobacco that they wanted to use and it wasn't enough to make a large run or, or for whatever reason, they came up with blends under that banner and the name for the series has changed to Juntos, which means together in Spanish. And this time around, uh, unlike in the past where they partnered with Tabsa, I think, and and um, PDR, and actually some of the regular production items are now being made at, at Pinar del Rio as well. Uh, but for this this release, for this series, this time, they are uh, hooking up with Quesada, here in the Dominican Republic, and producing this first first one under the name the new name Juntos, and um, it's going to feature a Dominican negrito wrapper, criollo binder, which I believe is also Dominican and Nicaraguan fillers. Uh, it's going to just be one vitola, six inches by 54 ring, and uh, it's going to be shown, I guess, at the the trade show this summer, and then. Of course, like most everything else, will launch shortly there, thereafter. And they have said what the run's going to be. It's gonna, there's going to be a thousand packages. If I'm, I don't think it's jars, I think it's going to be tens on these of twenty. So the total production will be about twenty thousand cigars. So I, I'm kind of interested in this. I, I for 15 years I was not a quesada guy. And then we started smoking these Espanas and I really, really like the Espana. And so I've, I've tried a few other things here and there uh, to include a very old um, Fonseca, which was made by Quesada. And that was from back in the nineties. And that was a really good cigar. And I, I've still not made a point to go searching for the current production on that, but that old one was really good. Um, but mm. the, that dang Espana Corona is an amazing cigar for under five bucks here. And I, you just can't hardly beat that.
0: It's, uh, <clears throat> oh, those Coronas just made their way to me. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I am 100% with you. Blown away that those are five bucks. Yeah. Blown away.
1: Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: But I'm not complaining.
1: You kind of smoke those up and then you come down here and get some more.
0: I know. I think you're right. I got a place. What'd you say? I
1: got a place. I'll save you a hotel bill.
0: (laughs) Well, if you think about it, I mean, I could probably smoke my way out of your humidor, making this uh, uh, a cash positive event. (laughs)
1: you could although the humidor kind of slim pickings compared to the past
0: that's all right i know the drawer to go to but there's
1: enough to get through a week Ah,
0: i don't know you haven't seen me in cigar country i I might be eight to ten a day
1: holy crap well i I know a few people we could manage
0: (laughs) you know what we'd have fun doing it
1: yeah absolutely
0: well i uh I will very uh oh, how do I say this um what's what's the right word when you are humbly saying something but you're perhaps saying it humbly because you have uh, a little bit of i don't know you're blushing, you're a bit embarrassed about it besides just being humbled modest? i am yeah modest, that's the word I'm looking for, oh, well, you modest. know that that difficult word to remember. Yeah,
1: that 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 odd word that, that's you know obscure <laughs> nobody ever uses that anymore.
0: I uh, I very modestly am admitting that I am interested in this pairing between uh, Quesada and Viaje. Um I too am a, a a bit of a fanboy about Quesadas, as anybody who listens to us repeatedly knows, specifically also those Hispanias. But I've I've branched out the uh, a couple of the newer releases from Quesada over the last four or five years have been just splendid. The selection Pravada, the 40th anniversary. Um, oh, there's one more in there, more recent. The Reserva? Quesada Reserva? Is that what it was called?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. It was uh, something Reserva.
0: Ah, uh, just, they've had some really, really interesting sticks. And, uh, um, knowing their operation knowing the people that are behind it i i respect them on a number of levels not just because they have good cigars but because they they just seem like genuinely interesting cigar personalities and good people um so i'm i'm interested from that aspect uh and viaje is a brand that i have said time and time again i'm i'm not um experienced with at all Um, and so there's a little bit of that, you know, I'm kind of looking for a reason to every once in a while, give them a try. It's one of those cigars that I tend to just overlook almost on purpose at cigar stores because I don't want to, I don't want to open up a Pandora's box and not know what the hell I'm getting myself into, you know? So this kind of might be a, a, I don't know, an interesting, uh, uh, siren song for me. I, I I might want to reach for this.
1: Yeah, I'll be giving them a try, that's for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the people, when you mention the people, I've told you this. I don't think I've talked about it on the show, but my wife and I walked into a cigar shop here not, not long after we had moved here, and the shop is owned by the Quesada family. And Manolo was there, and the guy wow. could not have been more Friendly and gracious. I mean, he introduced himself, and we talked cigars a little bit in the humidor. He hung out and chanted in the the lounge there while we were sitting, and just the the most amicable, approachable, friendly dude. I think I've met in a long time. All
0: right. I I I think it's a a pretty cool story that he offered to shave his mustache for charity. and at, at this year's, uh, pro cigar festival. And they raised some unbelievable amount of money. Wasn't it like $20,000 or something? I think, yeah.
1: I think it was 15 and they, they did the auction by table and the people sitting around the table came up with $15,000 to get him to shave his mustache. And it had been almost 50 years since he had shaved that mustache.
0: My dad's the same way. My, uh, my parents are celebrating their 45th anniversary in May. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're taking a vacation together, which I can never remember them doing. Um and I I believe my mom won't be listening to this, but I believe that my dad is going to shave his mustache for that uh for that trip just as a thing. He he hasn't done it in forty five years. Wow. So, their entire marriage, he has had a beard or a mustache.
1: Now, if he could so. just get somebody to donate fifteen thousand dollars, he could pay for the vacation. <laughs>
0: I give him $15. <laughs> Dad, I'll buy you a razor. <sighs> ay, ay, ay. Well, see. so we're back on track here the Viaje uh, quesada um, mashup, it sounds intriguing to me. I don't love the Vitola, but uh, nor do I love the fact that it'll only be 20,000 cigars, so it'll probably be a a pretty limited item if it's on your shelf uh, at a brick and mortar, but it's piqued my interest.
1: Yeah, same here. Well, we we have done our normal r- routine annual announcement of price increases for the past few weeks, past couple of shows, but uh, one company is going the other way. And uh, La Polina is going to be reducing the price on some of their cigars uh three lines in particular the black, the red, and the classic are gonna drop from a dollar to a dollar fifty per cigar, which is pretty freaking amazing actually be able to shop that much off the top of a cigar um you know the but they announced this and said they were doing it just to pass along the cost reductions that they were able to realize due to higher volumes. I guess the sales have been good on these lines and they're able to buy and process and have more cigars rolled and get some reductions in presumably material costs. Um, I'm guessing that's where most of that would be coming from. Um, But if I'm not mistaken, I think it was La Polina that has done something very similar to this a couple of years ago this seems very familiar and it seems very much so like it were uh that did it. And I think they had chopped a little bit off some other lines a couple years back.
0: You know, <clears throat> it, it didn't at all sound familiar to me when I read your post, but the more I think about it, the more I think that you're correct. I, I've, I've uh, always had a very interesting relationship with um, La Polina from the standpoint that when it came out, it w- I'm going to say it came out in 2007. La Polina was reintroduced. Um, those who don't know, it was a, a clear Havana cigar offered for sale in the early part of the 20th century. Um, and, and when it was uh, re-released by uh, Bill Paley, the grandson of the original brand owner, I believe, um the cigar release party had the the sticks at like 16 18 dollars that was their initial offering their initial releases were in the high teens yeah i about I, I i about lost it on that how can you how can you be so out of touch with the cigar industry to think that that was a smart move i mean how infrequently are cigars released being in that price range, let alone something that you've never even done before. He was he was not a cigar maker at that point or prior to that point. Um and so I've always kind of been a little bit intrigued by what La Polina was was trying to go after in terms of market share. And so to see them lower prices here is is uh I don't know, it always makes me feel or anything with them in pricing makes me feel as if there's just not rhyme or reason to how how their cigars are um are priced. It just seems so odd. Lowering the price here makes a lot of sense. But if you're going to put a cigar out there at 16, 18 bucks a stick, I got to imagine you want it, you are trying to put value upon that cigar saying, "Hey, this isn't just a good cigar." It's a, a really good cigar. It's in the price range of Padron 1926 and um, Opus X and, and some of these other sticks that are are just cornerstones of the super premium cigar industry. But then to lower prices, uh, granted it's seven, eight years later, it, it just it's a very odd thing. I don't understand the market share that he's really going for because if you want that high price... I don't know why you need to lower it, but I don't know. it. It's just odd to me.
1: I managed to dig it up. It was February of 2013. La Polina dropped the prices
0: 10% huh.
1: on the El Diario and what was then uh, the La Polina Maduro. It was a new cigar to time. A well, relatively that. new.
0: Good memory. See, you don't have a bad memory.
1: What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and are you trolling me with the misremembering comment?
1: Uh, using the word
0: misremembering?
1: I, I didn't think I was. How would I be trolling you?
0: Uh, I swear we've talked about using that word before, misremembered or misremembering.
1: <laughs> no, that just happened.
0: Uh, I, I have an aversion to Roger Clemens and his use of misremembering at the Senate uh, uh, hearing on steroids or performance-enhancing drugs in baseball.
1: Okay. No, that that was totally innocent.
0: <sighs> I thought you'd done it before, so I was just assuming. <laughs> oh, well.
1: Well, I only put one more little snippet in here, um, It seems like I got half a dozen pieces of information from from Moyo Ruiz this week or these past two weeks since the last show about a cigar they're pushing out this week called the uh, Pickle Juice, which is (laughs) a peculiar name for a cigar, but it's named that presumably because it's a Candela uh, coming out right around St. Patrick's Day. So you got a green cigar, you call it Pickle Juice, I suppose. Um, they uh putting out a single vitola. Uh, it's going to be just over seven fifty a cigar, and it's only going to be available at fifty retailers. And if somebody wants that list, I can publish that on the forum or, or wherever, or through email if you want to send me that. I got all that information, but I did not get it posted this week. I've had a herd of people here, uh, not not in my house, but visiting this week that I've been working with. So I just couldn't get around to it. Um, but there are 50 retailers going to have 10 jars apiece. Uh, each jar, I believe, is going to have 13 cigars in it. Um, I'm the kind of guy who's not generally turned on by the grassiness that I get from a lot of candela wrap cigars. But I know a lot of folks like to to have something green about this time of year around St. Patrick's Day. And I guess why not?
0: What was the, <clears throat> was it Filthy Hooligan that was Alec. the Alec Bradley?
1: Yeah, it was originally the Dirty Hooligan and Drew Estate called him up and said, hey, don't use the word dirty. We kind of, that's kind of our thing. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they changed it to Filthy Hooligan.
0: I didn't know that. There's a bit of cigar trivia for you.
1: Um, oh, they did the same thing to Eddie Ortega because he was initially going to call the, um, Oh, what do you, the, the 12, the one a month cigars he launched. Oh, yeah, 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 That was initially going to be the dirty dozen. He called him up and said, Hey, don't use the word dirty. That's kind of our thing. So changed the name and I, I don't remember what it ended up being now. Hmm.
0: Well, I have, uh, <clears throat> I have the wild bunch.
1: Dirty dirty dozen. Yeah.
0: One additional news story that I th- felt, uh, had some relation and certainly was a feel-good story. I don't know if you happened to see this or not, but yesterday morning, um, there was a a pretty cool story that that came out um, out of Tampa. So those of you who know a little bit of cigar history in the United States, uh, before Miami really seemed to have a stranglehold on cigars in the United States, um, or I should say in Florida, Ybor City, uh, a segment of Tampa really kind of uh, kind of ruled the roost a little bit, and in Ebor, the the one name that's really stood through it all um, <clears throat> is Fuente Newman Premium Cigars. Everybody knows the Fuentes, and everybody knows the Newmans. And I understand that to celebrate the 25th anniversary of that that um, collaboration or that organization, whatever the proper term is there. The Newmans happen to surprise Carlos Fuente with uh, an honorary street naming in Ybor. Um, Carlos Fuente's Way is uh, the honorary name for now Second Avenue in Ybor. So There's there's kind of some uh, interesting pictures of uh, Carlos Fuente on a ladder unveiling the sign with a big cigar in his mouth, a huge smile on his face, and waving to the crowd. There's some local media and and a lot of pictures of proud family and people who, people who genu- genuinely seem to appreciate each other in the moment. So it's a really cool thing. I, uh, I, I, I don't know why it seemed so genuine, but for some reason it, it really did. Um, hearing that it was a surprise and hearing that it was, that it was uh, not just for Arturo Fuente cigars, but it was specifically for um, Carlos Fuente seemed, seemed pretty cool.
1: So, Yeah, and the Fuente family's been tied to Ebor for a century or so now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Arturo himself, when he came to the States from Cuba, um, I believe he actually came into Key West, but he wasn't there very long before they headed for ebor and, and then they went in the 70s to Nicaragua, and, you know had some trouble with Sandinistas burning down the factory and whatnot.
0: What's <laughs> <laughs> a little raid- trouble.
1: Yeah, worked their way to the Dominican Republic. All this for production, but they've always maintained a presence in Ybor, uh, even throughout all those moves and changes. Um, and actually, since we're talking about the Fuentes, they broke ground on a new distribution center uh, in ebor across the street from their existing corporate offices there, uh, which is not open to the public for tours, but I got into... Uh, to actually see the place, dang! I guess it's been three years ago now since they did the the renovation. It's an amazing building. They they went to such great expense and and trouble and time to restore that thing. They they went so far as to find a building that was being torn down in Virginia, I believe, that had the same type of flooring and had that flooring. Recaptured and brought to Tampa, so they could match what was in the building there. They repointed all the brick, and they, it just, it's just a beautiful building. And and they're building a new distribution center across the street uh, for all their their cigars, as well as Ashton and J.C. Newman and all the others they produce. And it's going to match that that building and uh, the the, uh, the old building they're in now.
0: It's uh. <laughs> It's a a company or a family, perhaps, is the best way of putting it. That just seems to truly, truly care about history. Some might say a little bit too much, but <laughs> uh, I, I I respect the hell out of it and uh, and them. I've really come around. There was a time when I was turned off from the uh, the whole Fuente brand and family, but certainly not any longer.
1: Uh- I'll throw in one more little tidbit about that building they're in the current building when they uh i said i mentioned they repointed the brick all the the uh the mason work between it when they cleaned the interior brick on the top floor in particular they didn't they couldn't tell what color it was from the past because it was so covered over with dirt and smoke and dust. But when they got it all cleaned off, the brick inside was yellow instead of red like it is on the outside. And they have deduced that that was just to provide more light because there was no electricity at the time in the building when it was put up. And it was just to make it brighter in there so they could see what they were doing to work. And there's a, a cupola on the very top of that building. And if you climb up there, it's kind of obscured today by a giant freeway but it looked out onto Tampa Bay and the ships that carried tobacco would come into the bay and they had different flags that that signified which company the tobacco on that ship was coming in for. So they could send the little guys up into the cupola to look out and see if it was their boat and they knew to send their cards to go pick up their tobacco when their flag was flying.
0: It's pretty darn cool. Yeah. I, uh, I like that story. I've heard that. I think you've shared that in the past, and it always, I don't know, just one of those things. I'm a sucker for good history stories, I guess.
1: <laughs> good ones, bad ones, true ones, false ones. It doesn't matter. It do not
0: uh Don't impact a good story with facts, man. I just want a good story.
1: Yeah. I reject your reality and inject one of my own.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and substitute my own. <laughs>
1: Well, what are you uh, getting out of this cigar lately?
0: I'm getting a lot of bitterness, and it's really unfortunate. Um, hmm. I I cut it again, took off another eighth of an inch or so. I don't really see oil on here, but I, I do see a bit of a, a void, let's say, that does appear to be significantly darker than the rest of it, so I wonder if... Uh, if perhaps that's where a bit of this leaf was from or a bit of this tar was from i, I don't know if i should continue to cut this or not because i'm mm. nearly out of the uh the taper but you know it definitely has lost uh, the the kind of sweet spicy flavor that i had early on that i was saying was somewhat akin to a a very subdued san andres uh leaf but I'm getting much more of that typical añejo body, that typical añejo palate coat. That uh, if you aren't, to me, if you're not um, hydrating or rinsing yourself, man, oh man, you're gonna you're gonna quickly feel as if you need to chew that cigar, or the, the yeah. smoke, not the cigar. Excuse me. Um,
1: I'm getting the same thing in terms of the that. Ability of this, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, of this cigar to coat your palate and and uh, hang with you it has a finish that goes forever. But it's not uh, Añejo-ish to me in the the flavor itself. I'm not getting that darker, sweeter cocoa kind of flavor that I get a lot of times from añejo. It's more of a sweeter, brighter kind of thing. Sp- I almost said spice, I, and I don't at all mean. Peppery spices, that, that, the uh, all spice, the baking spice, tropical spice, all those things we talk about that has more of a, a sweet bent to it rather than a sharp, peppery kind of thing.
0: Really? I'm really surprised to hear you say that. I am not getting that at all. Well,
1: you've got a mouthful of bitter.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that could very well be it. I mean, it, it might just be that simple. I'm a bit uh, dejected this evening in terms of my abilities.
1: Yeah, I bet that cigar just went bad at like 8.45. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
0: you know what? You're just about as right as any other option I could come up with.
1: (laughs) It turned on you right then. You just missed your window.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I uh, admittedly, I Man, oh man, I, I have never forgotten about Half Ash, but I certainly <laughs> did tonight, man. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh well. Oh well. Can't win them all. Eh. Oh, I did you am. You I... the trophies. <laughs> Ask Wayne Gretzky. He did. <laughs> I uh, am going to try to give this cigar my all. I have cut it again. I maybe, maybe, maybe. Have, let me see if I can actually give you a ring gauge. I am at a 36 now for the, the head of my cigar. That is what I have cut. That's about all that will fit through. So I'm uh, substantially wider at the head now. I have taken off about a half an inch of the wrapper leaf, Um, touched it up. I'm going to try to make a go at smoking the rest of this thing and seeing if I can start pinpointing flavors when the wrapper leaf ignites, see if I can, if I can notice that or if I'm just toast. So we'll see.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Well, I see you have nothing in the notes, but I know you've had some cigars lately.
0: Yeah, I have. I, uh, I had two cigars, two different cigars since the last time we recorded. And I had, uh, uh, man, two or three versions of one of those and, I'm more than happy to talk about them. So I, uh, well, one of the reasons we didn't record last week was because I was on a little trip. I was in Toronto. Um, My uh, brother-in-law is getting married later on this year. And so we had like a little mini bachelor party up in Toronto uh, to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, catch a Maple Leafs game, eat some good food, things like that. And uh, of course, north of the border, stopped in a cigar store and i've never really i don't know never really been in a cigar store outside of the states where i could just pick up singles of cuban cigars it was a really interesting i don't know set of choices all those things that i that i wouldn't ever reach for because i would never have bought a box of them when i was buying cigars were at my disposal, and so I I grabbed a marca I normally don't reach for and a size I've never had before, and I loved the hell out of it. I had a an upman half Corona, which is probably a forty four by three and three quarters,
1: hmm.
0: small cigar. Maybe maybe a forty six. Maybe it was a little bit wider. Um, really nice vitola. It it uh, was perfect because. Apparently, Toronto is not just no smoking, but it's a fascist non-smoking city. Let me tell you that. Holy crap. Um, You can't smoke anywhere, indoors, covered, anywhere that's heated whatsoever. Cigar store, uh, smoking lounge, nothing. It has to be a private residence, apparently. Wow. So I was fortunate enough to have uh, an afternoon that was about 35 degrees and calm. So I bundled up, go, went sat on a park bench. and uh, Unless
1: you're talking centigrade, I am not interested.
0: Unfortunately, I was not. It was two centigrade. It was two. <laughs> so whatever that is, 35, 36. Um, I uh, grabbed a book, uh, had the half-corona, and was blown away by how it was such a different version of the typical Upman profile. Really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, if Upman is a band or excuse me a brand that you've ever experimented with, but there's like a very clean. I don't know how it, it clean is such a great way of describing it. Anybody who's familiar with that flavor tends to agree that that that's a good way to 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 categorize it. A clean tobacco taste, um, and this, and I don't like that. Typically, I, I find it to be almost off-putting. Um, this half Corona didn't have that. There's there's one other cigar in the Upman line that tends to focus on some of the other aspects of the blend, um, and that's the number two, the the torpedo. And I found this half Corona to be so much more in line with that number two profile that it was just stellar. Um, so Canadian prices are outrageous. This little cigar was probably 15 18 bucks. Um, 18 <clears throat> Hell, maybe even more. I, I I didn't even pay that much attention, to be honest with you. Um, but it was, uh, it was a good burner and lasted about an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, good construction. Great, great, great flavor. I would absolutely have it again.
1: Cool. I think yeah. Edmund is one of the brands that's available here uh, through one of the the new shop I've talked about before.
0: Hmm. I'd be interested to get your opinion. It's it's just such a different. <clears throat> I don't know. Clean, clean tobacco is a great way of classifying it.
1: Hmm. Well, if that's uh, if if it is indeed available here, I'll give them a try.
0: Yeah, I'd be interested to hear your uh, your perspective
1: excellent well I got one cigar on the list and I know I had two or three during the past couple of weeks that I thought hey I should talk about this and they were gone by the time I put the notes together Uh, but there's there's one that I did manage to remember and it's a cigar called J London and I believe it's made for a retailer in uh, Texas which seems to be a, a hotbed of this kind of thing lately. I don't know who's manufacturing it, but it's somebody here in the Dominican Republic. And someone gave me one of these to try, and I smoked it. It, it was very good. It was a milder cigar Connecticut wrapper uh, without any of the sharpness, the, without the crisp flavor that sometimes a Connecticut uh, will, will give you. And I, I enjoyed it a lot. However... I went back and looked at them on the shelf. They're like seventeen bucks a stick, and I was like, Whoa holy crap i can I can get two or three other yeah, I can get three of the espana coronas for that, but it was a very good cigar, but I don't know that I would drop that kind of change on them these days
0: hmm. i uh I don't know <clears throat> besides. Besides something that uh, I'm reaching for on a special occasion or in a special place, it takes an awful lot for me to want to experiment on a cigar that expensive.
1: Yeah, right. Exact, exact same boat here.
0: You know, and, uh, of course, I say that having just talked about a cigar that I experimented with that was the same price. <laughs> but there's there's some outliers there that separate that situation, folks.
1: Yeah. The only other, <coughs> I'm sorry, excuse me. <coughs> the only other thing I got in the notes was uh, a pipe. I've actually had a pipe a number of times lately, but always with the same blend, different pipes, same tobacco, with the McBear and Navy Flake, which I really like. It's a Burley and Virginia kind of blend. Uh, typically, when you see the words Navy Flake on a pipe tobacco blend, it gets its name from uh, century and a half ago, sailors would so, uh, initially store tobacco on return trips to uh, to the UK within rum butts, rum casks. And it would take a little bit of that flavor on. And then uh, after that, they started top coating tobacco with rum directly to, to give it a little more of that flavor. And that's generally what's done these days. Uh, you, I guess you can't generalize and say every time you see navy flake it has rum applied and that's not the case but most of the time it is Uh, but it's not something you can pull out of this this pipe tobacco at least not I can't anyway uh, just it's very straightforward slightly sweet but not not uh, cloying or not overly fruity kind of sweetness It's, it's very natural tobacco flavor I really like, really like the blend and I have for many years and I've been in that all week, every chance I got for the past seven days and I really like it and it, it seems to do well no matter what pipe I put it into. And of course it's a flake so the cut lends itself to any conditions. I mean, you, you tailor your, how, how finely you rub the, the flakes out to, Whatever the weather is, with this in particular, with the wind, but uh, I dig it. I've dug it for many years, and I still do. Uh, it's been a little while since I've been into that. It's it's good.
0: So one of these uh, years, we're going to have to do our second <laughs> pipe show. Yeah, uh, our and in this
1: second <laughs> quarterly pipe show, a year That's and a correct. half after the first. <laughs>
0: Uh, And this is a question that would certainly be better suited uh, being asked during that show, but why in the world would the difference of pipe make a difference in in smoking experience or how the flavor uh, comes across?
1: Well, there's a lot of speculation, and people have many grand and verbose theories about the proportions of the pipe bowl, the height, the width, even the shape of the bit used to drill the hole. and The boring uh, within a pipe and how well the, the holes are placed and drilled definitely can make a difference in it because it changes the moisture generated and condensed out of the smoke stream. Um, I I don't have a refined theory that says, oh, well, I like this blend in a taller, narrower bow or I like it in a wider pot kind of shape. I don't know. I just know that it does indeed taste different in different pipes. And, Mm. uh, you know, a lot of people just smoke anything in their pipes and that makes a huge difference if you're smoking a heavy English blend day to day and then you throw something like this in there that maybe is a little more... Um, dainty in its flavor dainty is not a good word a little uh, less bold in its flavor I guess uh, then you're going to get a lot of the remnant flavor from those heavier blends but I tend to segregate pipes and I have English pipes and I have wait. I do have English pipes but I have pipes I smoke English blends in and pipes I smoke Virginia's in and pipes I smoke Burley's in and like one little pipe that's ever for aromatics because I rarely smoke them. But so I don't think I have much in the way of what is colloquially called ghosting of flavors from past blends, but still it's different. I mean, I have several pipes that I'll smoke burly blends in and I just, I don't know. It just smokes different from one to the next. There's no Mm -hmm. doubt about it, but I don't know why.
0: I don't know either. Right. Interesting to learn every day.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, like I said, there are many theories, but no firm <laughs> answers. But pipe smokers will sit and argue about most ridiculous little minutiae <laughs> and to no end. And nobody's got any real evidence of anything they're saying, but they'll fight about it.
0: You know, I... I, I um. I can see myself being that guy. I'm just not at all that guy right now. I don't have enough knowledge on on the, the different idiosyncrasies of the different types of tobacco that are out there. But um, I can certainly see how... Uh, it, it, well, think of it this way. It's almost akin to... I, I guess I'm assuming. It's almost akin to smoking a really strong, really full cigar before you smoke a mild cigar you're going to lose something um mm-hmm. in that mild cigar. So if you're smoking a uh a really rich, really tobacco-centric um uh blend right after you've smoked something aromatic, it's going you're going to lose something from that experience. So I can make that analogy and it uh, oh yeah, okay, that totally makes sense. But I I guess I just you know I would think that a lot of people tend to smoke a similar... They like a similar profile in their pipe tobacco. So they're not really branching out a ton, but maybe that's ignorant for me to say. I don't know.
1: Oh, uh, maybe it's just whimsy, but I smoke all different kinds of pipe tobacco. Never even think twice about it, but I have different pipes for different types of blends. I I
0: you're you're a dork.
1: I only have... I'm looking up at the pipe rack here. I only have one pipe, I think that I have dedicated strictly to one, <laughs> one blend. And now I'm out of that blend. And it's, it was the Bohemian scandal that's been gone for 12 years now. And once my supply ran out, I have never picked something else to dedicate that pipe to, but I love that blend so much. I did not want anything messing with it. So I smoked nothing but Bohemian Scandal in that pie.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. So anyone who has a handle on that Bohemian blend that Kip's talking about, contact me. We'll bomb the hell out of him. It's going to be great.
1: <laughs> that that stuff is scarce as hen's teeth, man. It, people went nuts after the, the fire that burned it up. Paid ridiculous amounts of money for it.
0: I can imagine.
1: And the little two ounce tins that were eight bucks at the time, and that it was only on the market for three months. And then the whole supply was wow. burned up in a warehouse fire. And so the eight dollar tins overnight were pushing a hundred bucks. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: And in the years to come after that, it, it just went up from there. And the markets fluctuated. The last time I looked, it was down quite a bit, but still way the heck more than I was willing to pay.
0: So I got to tell you something. Hmm? This cigar is substantially better when you hit the wrapper. Huh. So it it is, it, I mean, it's burning like crap. You can see here how it's all burned, just touching the wrapper there and I'll twist uh-huh. it around and the binder isn't even burning on the side, on the yeah. opposite side. But I looked down because the flavor had gotten so much sweeter and like cocoa. And uh, little did I know, I had just touched and started burning a 16th of an inch into the wrapper on the one side. So even just that little bit substantially improved the flavor.
1: Yeah. Huh. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Good job, are You guys might know a thing or two about cigars. <laughs> after
1: 104 years.
0: Hey, you know what? I, uh, I'm i sure there's a lot of people who haven't learned crap in 105 years, so it's very possible they just learned.
1: <laughs> I, I suppose. <laughs> Although, anybody
0: who's been doing the same thing for 105 years and still doing it like crap, it's maybe not somebody I need to be hanging around with, but... <laughs>
1: Well I mean, did you have another one on the list that this, this non existent list in the notes
0: yeah i'll uh oh um, maybe I should put it in the notes just keep being passive aggressive about not having typed the first one hmm? <laughs> no, uh, I'll
1: just leave it blank in the show summary if I ever publish the show
0: well i <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll leave that one right there <laughs> um i also happened to uh smoke another Cuban cigar this week, and it was um, the El Rey del Mundo Tainos, Tainos, however you want to pronounce that. Um, and I, I, we've smoked this cigar on the show. Um, mm-hmm. I have talked about El Rey del Mundo being, if not my favorite, perhaps my second favorite um, uh, brand out of Cuba or marca out of Cuba. It just has this absolutely beautiful El Rey del Mundo as a whole. Um, tea with cream and, and honey, a very pronounced honey sweetness that I just adore. Um, <clears throat> so I, I have this box. It's 15 years old, this box. I've smoked maybe six or seven of the cigars, passed along two to you. So I've still got about two thirds of it left. Every year or two I I grab one and I want to give it a try. The cigars are just so just blisteringly brimming with flavor. I mean it's just it's oozing out of all the all the smoke. The problem is is that you can absolutely sense that it's it's not releasing it yet. It's not all there. There's so much more to give. So I I'm waiting for these cigars to just explode. And yes, the flavor that's there is good, and I enjoy it. And there's a lot of it, but it's an incredibly short finish. It tastes slightly sharp. There's still some some. I don't. I don't know if I want to say tannins. That's kind of a. That's kind of a uh, a cheater way to out of it. Uh, it's you know people would just say um, instinctively. Oh, it's very tannic. But that's. I don't really think that's. Uh, the be-all and end-all description here. It's just a cigar that hasn't blossomed yet. It hasn't given you all that it has, shown you all that it has to give. So, I I lit up another one of these, and immediately I knew there was a problem. When I cut it, the head split. Um, I lit it, tried to smoke it, tried to hold the wrapper together and check to see where, if there were any other uh, cracks in the wrapper, because I was not getting good flavor out of it or good burn out of it, good smoke. And it just never came around. It never was a cigar that, that was easy to smoke. And then having to put that much work into it, it, it also wasn't overly rewarding that I think the lack of combustion, um, prevented it from really releasing a lot of the flavor that it had in the way in which I know it can. Um, And so it was, it was a bit of a disappointment. It it makes me want to grab another one and see if the next one, if I cut it well, and if, um, and if I uh, uh, am able to get a lot of smoke through it from whatever cracks may or may not be present, I would really like to uh, sense whether it's going to be I don't know what I'm expecting or not, because this one was just so bad um, in how it—I don't know—in how it wanted to smoke. It just wasn't good with that at all.
1: Hmm. That—that's unfortunate.
0: Ugh, it just pissed me off. How's that?
1: Yeah, you think it'll come back around, or they will come back around?
0: Oh, I—I I do. I—I I don't think that I've missed anything with this cigar. I think that I just didn't get a. Uh, a solid judge of what it had to give or what stage they're at. I think it was much more construction and and burn related that caused me to not really enjoy the experience. You know? Mm -hmm. So, oh well. We'll see how it goes. I I might muscle up and light one of the last dozen I have or 15 that I've got, whatever it is. I might sacrifice another one here coming up.
1: (laughs) Well, I see you have a couple of items in the uh, World of Cigars comments here, and I have no clue what either of them mean. So I'm going <laughs> to turn it over to you.
0: Well, I, uh, I'll i share my first one. It's rather short and sweet, but I thought it interesting. Um, so the Festival de la Banos, the 18th uh, Cuban Cigar Festival, um, was this past week. Many many people made their way down there. If you're on Facebook and in any of the cigar uh, groups, I'm sure you saw a lot of pictures, uh, heard a lot of stories. Um, and I'll I'll give a plug to Half Wheel. Um, one of Half Wheel's uh, uh, originators, Brooks Whittington. Um, he's just a he's a really gifted photographer, and I believe he made his first trip to Cuba uh, this week. He has got a ton of photos that he's posted um, of all different facets of of the week, both the people, the cigars, the, the industry, the nightlife, everything. And there's some phenomenal pictures. So check that out. Head up to Half Wheel. I'm sure that he's got a... a an editorial there where he shared a lot of his, his things and uh, his opinions about those photos Um, really worth looking into. But the item that I have here in the, the world of cigars is that one of those pictures showed Rocky Patel. I was really surprised by that. Rocky does not seem like a gentleman that I would have expected to have seen in Havana. Um, he's just partnered with Hamlet in the last year. Hamlet is an incredibly renowned master roller out of Cuba, um, who has left the Island and, uh, is now living in Florida. And, uh, Rocky has created the tabacero cigar, which is, uh, in, uh, a, a compilation between he and Hamlet Paredes. Um, and so to see Rocky in Cuba just seemed kind of unexpected to me. Um, and uh, then I did a little digging and talked to a couple of buddies who I know were there. And sure enough, Rocky was there. He, he was there for the festival. He was enjoying things, smoking cigars. And it was surprising. You hear a lot of stories of manufacturers or brand owners who go down there and then talk about, oh, yeah, you know, it's all the same cigar. Or they just put the same band on anything. It doesn't matter. But Rocky apparently had, and this was from an independent source. um, He apparently had a lot of great conversations with the cigar smokers and the rollers, the other master rollers that were down there about tobacco, about cigars, about what Cuban cigars have to offer. It was really interesting to hear about. And uh, I would love to have been a fly on the wall during some of those conversations. I, I almost wonder if, if Hamlet perhaps guided him or recommended people to go talk to um, if this was a kind of a networking event for Rocky or, or really what the, the root of, of his heading down there was for hell, who knows? Maybe it was, maybe it was just for a vacation. I, I don't know, but I thought it was interesting. Really interesting.
1: Yeah. Cause I think I saw pictures of him in Mexico this past week as well at the TAA conference.
0: You Our did meeting. You did. He, uh, he was in both. I also saw photos at that too. So I, I, I don't know. I, um, on a, an interesting side note, I wonder how some of his counterparts in the, the American cigar industry who are Cuban, how they feel about this. I, I, I wonder if it's just kind of a rite of passage. You're in the cigar industry. You should head down to Cuba and develop your own opinions, or if it's, you know, or if it's um, something that kind of pisses them off. Hey, don't don't head down there. There's no reason to pay attention to that island anymore. I, I don't know.
1: Me neither. I hadn't heard. Actually, this this is all news to me. What you're talking about?
0: Huh. So my next item to talk about here is uh, is a bit deep. It's not something that we ever talk about on the show, but I have had a couple mornings in the last month, month and a half that um, I knew were going to be days I'd spend a lot of time in the car. Um, uh, Two weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, I met with Mike Stewart, met up with Mike Stewart, had a cigar over the weekend, um, and he just gave me a An unbelievable amount of cigars and uh, things. By the way, he gave me some coffee from you finally. Thank you very much. I've been drinking that the last few days. Um, I, I don't know. There's just been this little birdie on my shoulder that has not been there for many, many, many years. But I've just almost been a little down on cigars. And it seems very strange. It's only in the mornings. But I've almost wondered, you know, do I do I really want to keep smoking cigars? Do I ever want to sell my collection and just move on with from this hobby? I and I don't know why I think that way, because I love having a cigar. I love the taste. I love the camaraderie. I on a a, a really micro subset of my hobby, I love doing half ashed. Regardless of, of sitting down and smoking a cigar on my own. I I like our Friday and Saturday nights, but why? Why have I felt a little—I don't know—almost burdened by the fact that I enjoy this hobby uh, on a couple of occasions in the last month? I, am I the only one? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever has there ever been just a weird—I don't know uh, feeling that maybe maybe you should not have a cigar anymore, or do you not want to have a cigar anymore? Am I the only one?
1: Um. yes and no probably no you're not the only one but it's, <laughs> in comparison to me the only times I've thought or been in that kind of a mood or mode is when it, and this has happened a number of times when it seems like there's just nothing new there's just nothing in this I mean I've kind of smoked them, not smoked them all, but smoked all I care to smoke. (laughs) You know, it just seems like it's, it's a a rut and it's just just monotonous. And I'll, I'll step back from cigars for a little bit, but just when I'm in a rut where it just seems like, eh, it's not, not as entertaining as it has been at different times in the past. Huh.
0: I, this wasn't at all like that for me. It, it just was, uh, you know. I woke up and and thought about, oh, do I want to grab a cigar for work today? And just was was, nah. You know, I I just really don't want to. I I don't know. It's kind of strange. I maybe I won't have a cigar today, even though it's kind of a normal thing for me to have one on days like today. It was just really weird, and it was more than once.
1: Hmm. The only thing uh, besides the the rut at times where I felt like there's just nothing nothing new or no big, and I say new, but no big attraction. There are cigars that I enjoy always, but it just seems like maybe even like a little bit of burnout at times. But um, usually when I get to thinking or feeling that way, I've had, it's like after a, an IPCPR or after some other festival and I'm just all smoked out. And I'm like, I don't even want to look at another cigar right now. <laughs> and and that will last for a while.
0: Hmm. No, I have never, never been like that. I, I, I actually tend to think that I am on the opposite end of that. Um, after IPCPR or a trip down to, to cigar country, when I've had a lot of cigars, I come back and I immediately want to have another cigar. I'm really interested in, in kind of extending that enjoyable trip that I've had. And so usually the day or two after I come back, I carve out time alone to have another stick. It's just, I don't want to stop cold Turkey and be like, nope, from eight to none for another week.
1: Yeah. From trips in the past, I've never been that way, but, for the two years leading up to, uh, to us moving, I spent a lot of time in South Florida and I was always traveling alone for work. And so every single day work is done. I go hang out to, at a cigar shop till time to go you know, hit the bed for the night. And and I did that so much and so often in 2013, I think in particular, I can't even begin to guess how many days and nights i spent in south florida and it just it became one long cigar fest which sounds fantastic until you're in the middle of it and eh, okay now what hmm but it but it passed
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i uh we we don't get a lot of email from our listeners uh that's about uh, real world type things you know somebody emailing us saying oh thank you so much for putting on the show it helps me when i'm on my long drives to not fall asleep and you're the only thing that keeps me awake we don't we don't get heartfelt emails from people about about real life situations but if if anybody wants to take a couple minutes and you've ever felt this way and you're just as confused about it as I am, or you're not, and you know why you have those thoughts, let me know, because I really don't know why I had this thought. I I love cigars. I, I've read the, the um, results from studies saying that cigars smoked as often or infrequently, I guess you should probably put it, as I have a cigar, are not really health concerns. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just don't get why, rationally, I would think, yeah, do I not want to have any more of these since I love them so much? I don't know. I
1: don't
0: it's know. It's very weird for me.
1: You just need a new piece of passion within the hobby.
0: It's very possible. Maybe I do. I don't know.
1: Yeah, start growing growing your own tobacco you will be alive.
0: You know, I, that is something I've considered. I just made two very large, well, very large for me, planter beds last fall, and I was prepping them all day today. So, maybe I could put a couple uh, plants on one end of it. That'd be yeah. kind of fun. But, Can it hurt? No, it can't hurt. I mean, heck, it, uh, it could actually be pretty damn fun. Del Roush I, has got some cool stories about it.
1: I drove up and down the mountain a lot this week and noticed on a, somebody's porch down near the bottom of the mountain that I've been driving up every thinking day. Um, somebody has strings of tobacco just like they hang in the barn where they string the, the leaves up and hang them. they got several hanging just on their porch, drying them. Presumably just something they've grown in their backyard or whatever.
0: Oh, I'm sure that is the case. I uh I don't know.
1: They could have just That's walked down. it's it's close to the Davidoff fields. They could have just walked over and started cutting leaves off. I don't know what yeah. they're
0: doing. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a story in there that some uh pretty well known shop owner, uh he's well known nationally so I will not share his name, played a trick on a friend of mine and told him that he had this new unbanded cigar that was from La Florida Minicana, And LaFleur's fields were right next to the the fields where the Opus X wrapper was grown. And uh, (laughs) some of the Opus X tobacco had grown underneath the fence between those two. And so some of the leaves leaning over the fence and some of the tobacco plants that had grown on the La Florida Minicana side had been harvested for this one-off rare cigar, so it was basically an opus from La Florida Minicana.
1: <laughs> La Florida Minic opus?
0: Yeah, the Florida Minic opus. That's, there you go. That, uh, it, it seemed like utter BS to me, but he was very interested in sharing that story.
1: <laughs> uh despite the fact that the fields are like 120 miles apart.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, once again, don't let facts get in the way of a good story. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, well, that's my, what else uh, in the world of cigars tonight? So I'd be very interested in anything. Anybody has to uh, comment on regarding those.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Just, just to hear it. I'm I'm not in that mode right now. I'm terribly interested in cigars. I'm just not, not having the time to to do a lot of the stuff that I would like to at the moment. It'll mm. come back around.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So are we ready to wrap this joker up?
0: I think so. I uh I am enjoying this cigar a lot. It's come around. It's certainly not bitter. It's smoking terrifically. Uh, I am into the wrapper on all of it and enjoying the sweetness that came along uh, with that wrapper. And uh, I don't know, I'd say this is definitely not my favorite Añejo Vitola, but it's a good cigar in its own right, and it's definitely different. Definitely different enough to to not feel like it's a bad Añejo, but a good version of whatever it is. It's just, I would rather reach for a, probably a 47, 46, a little 47. I don't like the Corona Gordas. Remember? Oh no. The 48 is the Churchill. The 49 is the double Corona. Yeah.
1: The 46 is almost like a Corona size. It's a little bit slightly bigger, but not
0: much. It's 46 by six and a half. It's a Corona Gorda or five and a half.
1: That those numbers in the Anejo don't match up to the size.
0: What? It's the ring gauge.
1: Not all of them.
0: Well, the not the is not not a a 77. 70. I certainly understand that. Or an 88 or 888 as this one is. So but I thought is, the 46 was a 5.5 a by 46. Well, the 48 probably, was the Churchill. And the 49 was the double Corona. You're probably right. I got a tumor. I'll blame it on that. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> joke still didn't get old nope not yet
1: wearing it out <sighs> uh, let's see so what is the
0: one I like you like the 46
1: okay I didn't think it was that big but I'll take your word for it I don't know what I like we'll call it the 46
0: I so I know of five, or I'm sorry, six regular Añejo Vitolas. There's the Robusto. There's the 46, which is I think is the Corona Gorda. The 48, which I think is oh, the I, Churchill. I agree.
1: I think you're right. I'm not disagreeing anymore.
0: Then there's the 49, which is the double Corona. And then you have the Torpedo and the Shark. And then now we have the 888. So there's seven. Am I missing any?
1: I don't know the answer to that. No, oh, you just
0: must be tired.
1: I am very tired. <laughs> mm. uh, there are, s- yeah, six now, seven regular production Vitolas.
0: There are okay. Yeah. Well, good. I'm not crazy then. So, what uh, on the eight eight eight? What's your what's your closing thought here? Um, when these first came out,
1: I thought this was my favorite Vitola. In the line, hmm. I don't think that anymore. <clears throat> based on the last couple I've had, including this one, I didn't have any of the the problems with the bitterness that you did. But I still think that 46, if that's the size, I think that's that's probably my favorite. And I like the robusto. I, I enjoy the sharks, but I don't go out of my way chasing them like a lot of folks do. They're just quite a bit bigger than <coughs> excuse me than I normally have time for um, and they're you know people get silly with the pricing on that with double keystone and ridiculous stuff so yeah. I'll I'll take the regular easy to come by production ones every time the 46 I guess is the robusto. was at the 50 so what they call that
0: I believe so yeah yeah I can dig
1: those every day
0: yeah, I think the fifty <laughs> is one that I have not had in years. I'd be interested in giving that a whirl again.
1: Yeah. I I you know, I've gotten to where I just really like Robustos. And I used the you know, Corona Gorda, Corona are my longstanding favorites. I I like the Lanceros and the Lonsdale's too, but those those Corona Gorda and Robusto I go back to and in all lines, makes and models. I just like that size. And this one, though, I, I really think I'd liked it far more when they first came out than this one or the, the last couple I had since moving. Hmm. And I don't know why, except it's not as Añejo-ish to me as maybe and, – and maybe that's just my – Perception gone askew that it should be something it's not. I don't know. It's just it's just different. John
0: will You really enjoy the typical añejo, though. You just.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: This is just one of those things that you really enjoy. (laughs) As a different version of the añejo. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a beef with a cigar. I've enjoyed this one tonight. It's just. When we're talking what's my favorite Añejo, it's going to be that 46, maybe the, the 50. Although hmm. there was a time I would have said this was. I'll blame it on the tumor.
0: <laughs> no, it might also just be that that the prototype versions of this were a slightly different uh, blend.
1: Maybe. Who knows? I mean, Fuente never tells you what's in their cigars.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's always true. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, as we close another one out, next time around in a couple of weeks for episode 141, we'll be smoking one of Craig's offerings, a Hoyo de Monterey. And I didn't catch a name for that. I think it's the little one without the band on it.
0: Um, It's a... I believe it's a La Jolla. Well, I, I know it's a La Jolla version. So within the line of Hoya de Monterey, there's a subset of cigars <laughs> called the La Jolla. Um, and the cigar is, I believe, called a La Jolla Dolphin. Dolphin. Which is, uh, I believe, a six and a half by 38. It's a Leguito number 2. Short Lancero. And... Uh, Let me see if I can double check that, uh, Vitola, La Jolla, uh, number two. Let's see if I can get the Vitola name. Yeah, La Jolla de Dauphin, uh, D-A-U-P-H-I-N, um, it's from, I believe, 2002, so it has 14 years of age on it, and it is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite blends coming out of Cuba. The, uh, this little subset, this tweak of the Hoya de Monterey line is just splendid. Really interested in getting your uh, opinion on it. Cool. Boom. Now, this will be – have you have two cigars for me that are identical sized, both unbanded. Mm-hmm. This will be the most recent one that I sent you of that size.
1: Okay, I have those separated, so I know exactly which ones they are.
0: Good, 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 good. Yeah.
1: Well, if uh, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, as Craig has specifically asked for emails about a particular topic, you can get us at craig at halfashed.com or kip at halfashed.com. And, of course, you can always find us through the various social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, as always, on the forum at HalfAsht.com, where we are prone to hang out from time to time.
0: I would say so. Me less often than you more recently, but I'll be moving back in. You have my word on that?
1: Yeah, we're going to nurse you back into the cigar fold. (laughs)
0: I'm not anti cigar. I'm just <laughs> I I I'm just feeling confused. How's that?
1: You're throwing in the towel. Oh
0: jeepers. <laughs> well, I uh you finished your closing, correct? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I uh wanna just leave this short and sweet tonight to uh to not necessarily dedicate this to anyone in particular, but to dedicate it to something that we as Americans and uh, many, many, many more modern people around the world also subscribe to, which is this idea of uh, a freedom of speech so much so that we're willing to defend people with a different uh, way or a different idea of expressing their own freedom of speech. So, Tonight, I've been thinking about that a lot. This week, I've been thinking about that a lot. And uh, I absolutely, unequivocally need to dedicate this show to that and how much I respect that and need that. And uh, also, without even feeling like I have to mention it, I, I just want to. I just want to say how much we really do appreciate you giving us a little bit of the time. There are a few guys who are in the chat room tonight for this unannounced, unpublished, unpublicized uh, recording of Half-Ashed, and we really appreciate that. So whether you're one of those folks or somebody who's downloading us in the weeks to come, we want to make sure that we say, as always, good night, everybody, and thank you for listening.